too many little details to have to keep in mind, like turning on your mic, you know, that sort of thing. Good to see you guys today. So if I could just ask you at the beginning to listen, to pay attention to what God has to say today. Some of it may be new. But after at least the first half of today, you may gain understanding into some of the things that have been happening to you. Steve mentioned how the enemy has been targeting, so to speak, some of us. We know Jesus said in this world you'll have trials and tribulations. That's on a surface level. Then there's a deeper level. We know we have an enemy and we're not to be ignorant of his schemes. And I don't like preaching on the enemy at all. I don't like even mentioning that aspect. But that aspect is a part of the Christian life. We're not to, we have an enemy and we're not to be ignorant of his schemes. The main point has nothing to do with the enemy. Well, it does, but it's not a focus on him. But we have to go through some teaching on the enemy, Satan, the devil, to get to our main point. We, all, we have to look at some bad news so the Good news is even more meaningful to us. So are you with me? Okay. Introduction and review. If you've been here, this should be very familiar. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. We should have this committed to memory by now. It's been our primary focus recently. It's been the spiritual blessings that belong to those who have come to Jesus, those who are in Christ. These are not the physical blessings of food, clothing, shelter, material goods. They also come to us from the Lord. But all humanity is recipients of those physical blessings. His rain falls on the just and the unjust. Then there's this other category of blessings Scripture refers to, spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms for those who are in Christ. They relate to our relationship with Jesus, who we are, and our position in Christ. So we, put, we hit the pause button on Ephesians, and we're in this mini-series, Who We Are in Christ. What is our position in Christ? We'll soon get back to our, mini, to our regular series through Ephesians, and you'll notice in every sermon, even though it's been a mini-series, there's been verses from Ephesians in there because you can't get away from it. The theme of spiritual blessings in Christ is found primarily in Ephesians, but it's also found throughout the New Testament. Last week, Romans 8, 1 and 2. No condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. The spiritual blessing on which we focused last week was there's no condemnation. If you're in Christ, if you know Jesus, there is no condemnation. Condemnation attaches itself to sin. Condemnation is a consequence of sin. There's an eternal condemnation, and there's a temporal, physical condemnation. 
There's eternal spiritual condemnation. There's a, there's a temporal physical condemnation. There's condemnation in the future. There's condemnation in the here and now for those outside of Christ. There's good news, though. To us who are in Christ, and hopefully you're here, you know him, and you know that you know him. The good news is for you, there's no condemnation in Christ. This means no future eternal condemnation, no eternal separation from God in the lake of fire, hell, through sin. There's no, condemn, there's no here and now condemnation. There's freedom from all emotional, mental, physical baggage that attaches itself to us because of sin, guilt, and shame, that whole gamut we talked about last week, that when we sin, even if we try and ignore it, even if we try and fight it, it's the reality those things come upon us. Then we're operating out under those things, out from under those things, and it affects our behavior, and it affects the way we think. There's that whole long list of stuff that comes into our lives when we sin. We've been set free from all condemnation. We talked at length about that last week. We're not going to rehash it. It's available as a podcast. If you need, we can show you how to access our podcast. On to today's message. And this week's text, 1 John 5, 18 and 19. Carol, would you come and read? The rest of us will stand. Like Jordan did last week, Carol's making her debut reading appearance. So let's welcome Carol to the mic. It's only two verses. Go ahead, Carol. This is the living word of God. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. May be seated. Today's title is Protected, Do Not Touch. This is a message. Are you still listening? Yes. You're still paying attention? Yes. Like I asked in the beginning? This is a message that the enemy does not want the church to hear. And I've been feeling that, and maybe some of you have as well. The title is Protected, Do Not Touch. And we'll break this passage down into three segments, and we'll call them 18A, 18B, and 19. We'll comment and we'll expound upon each segment. But the order we'll, we'll take will be 18A, 19, and then 18B, because 18B is the primary point. You ready to begin? Ready to learn something? 1 John 5, 18a. We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning. So much we could say about that. But I just want to make one comment on this first part of the verses. God's children do not make a practice of sinning. If you remember, this supports what we said last week. 
1 John 2, 1 and 2. My dear children, to believers in the church, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ. For believers, sin is to be the exception, not the rule in our lives. I write these things to you so that you do not sin. But if you do sin, that's the exception. I write to you that you do not sin. That's the ideal. That's the rule. But if you do sin, that's the exception to the rule. Righteousness and holy living. Victory over sin. Overcoming sin is to be the rule. And this positions us for experiencing the promises and the blessings of God. I had this in. I took it out. I'm going to say it anyhow. The reason that's at the beginning of this passage, where we're going to then talk about the enemy and then we're going to talk about Christ, is because these promises, these spiritual blessings that we have in Christ, they can be short-circuited, forfeited, and nullified by willful, unconfessed sin. Sin opens the door for Satan to come in and have his way in our life. So we can stand here and say no condemnation. And we can stand here and talk about all these glorious promises and spiritual blessings that we have in Christ and wonder why we're not experiencing them. It's not on the book. It's not on God. It's not on him. We start looking for some sin that we've allowed into our life that we're not taking care of because that will nullify these promises and these blessings. That's why that's at the beginning of this passage. He wants us to know, hey, look, for believers, believers don't make a practice of sinning. Am I right? Isaac, am I right? Yep. <laughs> He's going to be so far ahead of we, us when he gets to adult. He already has this stuff. We're learning it now. So, man, we got to take care of the sin problem. You actually want to preach it now. <laughs> you can't be harboring sin. We can't be harboring known, unconfessed sin. Now, we do sin, but if you do sin, but hopefully it's occasionally, and hopefully most of the time we slip into it, and then we realize it, and then we're like, oh, my gosh, Lord, I'm so sorry. We confess it, and it's taken care of. But if we're harboring, if we know we're living in sin and God's been pointing it out to us and we won't turn from it, then we are forfeiting, we are nullifying a level of the blessing, the favor, and the protection of God in our lives. I had that in. I took it out. I guess God wanted me to say it. Just give you a little practical tip, something that I do and I've shared with many people, when things are starting to really get rocky in my life, there's two questions before I look any deeper. Like if my car won't start, before I tear the engine apart, what am I going to check? What's the first thing I'm going to check? The battery. 
If it's the battery, fix the battery, easy fix we go. But if it's not the battery, then you've got to start digging deeper. So the first thing, the battery in my life, when things are getting rocky, the first thing I do, I ask myself two questions. Am I doing something that I know I shouldn't be doing? And the opposite is, am I not doing something I should be doing? And you may find the answer right there. And then you take care of it and you're back on track. If you don't find it there, then we can dig a little deeper. But you got to start there. Because sin opens the door for Satan to come sweeping into our lives. It negates, it nullifies, it forfeits a lot of the favor, promises, and blessing of God in our lives. Verse 19. This is where it gets a little thick. This is where it gets a little heavy. This is where it gets a little dark. We know that we are children of God. We know that. If we come to Christ, we know that. And we also know that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Did you know that? The world around us is under the control of the evil one. This is not the main point. But we need to spend some time here. God wants to teach us something here. It may or it may not be new to you. You may have already recognized that or realized that, but we might go deeper than you've gone before in this, on this topic. Satan controls the world in this present age. He has since Genesis 3. Now we're talking about the world system with its philosophies, with its ideologies, with its belief, with its isms, with its values, and with its view of life. That's what we're talking about when we say the world. Not creation, not nature. We're talking about the world system that fallen man, after Genesis 3, has created. You with me, Art? We don't like it. I don't like it. But it's a reality. The world, mankind apart from Christ, is in willful rebellion against God and God's rule. Therefore, the world has been given over to the dominion of Satan. It occurred in Genesis 3. Take a look. The devil, Satan, took him, Jesus, up and he revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment in time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms, Satan speaking to Jesus. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine. They are mine to give. I guess mine's not a two-syllable word, is it? Mine. It's mine. They are mine to give. Because they are mine is actually a true statement. For once the devil wasn't lying. He acquired the kingdoms of the world in Genesis 3. Now listen, learn. Man had been given dominion over the earth at creation, the Garden of Eden. But man turned it over to Satan when he sinned and rebelled against God. It was supposed to be a working partnership. Read Genesis 1 and 2, beginning of 3. It was supposed to be a working partnership. 
an agreement between God and man to cultivate the garden, to manage the creation, to manage the earth. God gave man dominion over the earth, but man reneged on his part, and man gave it over to Satan through sin. God said, this is yours, and we're going to partner, but in a sense, it's yours to do whatever you want with it. There's this glorious future of man and God partnering together. Or you could rebel against me, and then there's a different plan. Man chose to rebel. Now it all went over to Satan. The kingdoms, the nations of this world came under the dominion and rule of Satan, and they still belong to him today. Interesting note. He revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment in time. It wasn't just the kingdoms at that time, 2,000 years ago, but all the kingdoms of the world of all time. In that revelation of Satan showing Jesus, that would include present-day United States, Great Britain, China, Russia, all the nations of the world, all the kingdoms of the world. There's no space and time in the spiritual realm. Both Satan and God can operate outside of time. So Satan could show Jesus the future. This temptation was very real, by the way. Jesus desperately wanted the kingdoms of the world. The kingdoms of the world, the nations are composed of precious people who he had come to die for. That's why he was here. He wanted them. And here's a way to get them without suffering, without going through the crucifixion. This was no farce. This was no game. This was real. Just like Satan knows how to appeal to you and your weak point, he knew where to appeal to Jesus. You want these badly. They're mine right now. I'll give them to you. But the price was too great. He would have had to worship Satan to get the kingdoms, and Satan would have, become, would have become the overall ruler. And God's plan to redeem man back would have failed had Jesus succumbed to that temptation. Fortunately, Jesus would not give in. Jesus would not worship Satan. Jesus refused the offer because God had a better plan. <laughs> so, the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Further scripture support. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Satan is the God of this world, small g. His intention is to hinder the work of God in the world. His intention is to hinder the work of the gospel, to hamper kingdom ministry. 
His intention, and he's doing a very good job of it, is to keep people blinded to salvation, to redemption, to reconciliation, to victory over sin through unbelief. He's blinded the minds of unbelievers. Simply means he messes with their understanding. You understand the gospel. So we're puzzled when we tell somebody the gospel and they're like, they don't get it. Their minds are blinded. They can't understand it. That veil has to be removed. They're unable to understand about Jesus with their natural minds. It keeps them from faith. And only the power of God's word, only the power of God's Holy Spirit, through the powerful witness of the church, you and me, will set them free, will cause the breakthrough, and will remove that veil. We do not, you do not, I do not realize or fully appreciate the effort God went to to save us. Ephesians 6.12. You've got to have a verse from Ephesians in here. Ephesians 6.12. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. It's always interesting when you get on verses like this how quiet the church gets. Satan is the God, small g, the ruler of this world, of this age. The world around us is under the control of the evil one. There is a whole hierarchy of evil in place in this world and in the spiritual realm that's trying to guarantee Satan's control of this world. Satan does not want to lose control of this world. That's what's going on in this world. And if you're a force for good and a force for the kingdom, that's what you're experiencing. This is what we're up against, church, in our mission to tell others about Jesus. There'll be more on that in future sermons. The battle, like it or not, is going to become increasingly real in the days ahead, leaning up to the return of Jesus. Jesus already gained all he needed to gain on the cross. And now the rest of the story is playing out. The day is coming very soon when Jesus comes back and he disarms and he destroys Satan and he sets up his kingdom on earth. The closer we get to that day, the more you're going to feel this battle between these forces that exist. Satan at his camp, God in his camp, and the church is in the middle, God's instrument on earth for accomplishing his will. Is that making any sense to you? That is some of the pressure. That is some of the pushback. If you're a believer who's living for the Lord, that's some of what you've been experiencing in your life. Don't chalk it up to coincidence or happenstance or, oh, that's just the way it is. That's not just the way it is. We have an enemy who's out to try and stop us. He doesn't want Jesus to come back because then it's over for him. For now, he still has control of this world. His demise is sure and his demise is soon. 
And he didn't want me to preach this today, and I can guarantee you that. Thank you to all of those of you who have prayed for me this week. The battle is going to become increasingly fierce. I had a word from the Lord not too long ago that I have yet to share. But the word was that the battle for our nation is going to be fierce. But I have put a fierce anointing on my church. I believe personally, between now and when the Lord comes back, many lost souls are going to be set free from Satan's control. That's another thing he doesn't want to see. God's setting the captives free. He now has captives. God's all about setting them free. He's fighting tooth and nail to keep that from happening. And guess who the middleman is? You and me. Because God saves souls through us. If he can stop us, Satan, if he can stop us, he can stop souls from getting saved. If he can stop us, he can stop the kingdom from being advanced. If he can stop us, he can stop God's will from being done on earth. This is a serious thing. And we've said many times in here, God has given us words. It's time to stop playing. It's serious. You need to take it seriously. You need to take sin seriously. You need to take what God's doing seriously. You need to get on board so you don't miss it. John 12, 31. The time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. Satan is the ruler of this world, of this present age. Something to think about. He's still with me. All right. We're going to move on to the good news. We really are. We're going to work our way through this. Here's something to think about, and it may be new for some of us. We as believers, we operate in Satan's domain. Did you ever think of that? We operate in Satan's domain. We're actually operating behind enemy lines, so to speak. We exist and we're operating in enemy-held territory. Oh, man, the, no wonder. I just expected everything to be hunky-dory. No, you're behind enemy lines. You're on one of the Lord's SEAL teams. Maybe this makes a little more sense now of why the world and the nations and life is the way it is. If you didn't understand this principle that Satan's a ruler of this world, why are people making such unrighteous, sinful, wicked decisions? Because Satan's in control of this world and he's controlling their thinking. We should not actually be surprised, although we are. Satan, the kingdom of darkness, 
invaded earth, invaded man's domain in Genesis 3. When he successfully tempted Adam and Eve to sin. Jesus, the kingdom of heaven, invaded earth, man's domain, when Jesus came to earth and successfully redeemed and bought back the human race to relationship with God at the cross. That was the first step. He has yet to bring the nations of the world completely under his control. That's intentional. His first step was what? To come and to seek and to save those who are lost and call out a people from lost humanity that become his. And a day is coming where we actually will regain the nations and rule over the nations with an iron rod and an iron fist. And in those days, in the millennial kingdom, sin will not be tolerated. Jesus soundly defeated Satan at the cross. Don't be deceived. Satan is a defeated foe. Then Jesus boldly proclaimed and declared that now all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. And that's why he could say, now that I've done this, now that I have authority, I can build my church here and the gates of hell will not be able to stop it. The church will then accomplish the will of the Lord. He's calling out a people who become his followers and become the church. And then he accomplishes his will while Satan is still the ruler of this world. He accomplishes his will on earth through his people. And a plug for Justin, through, especially through the praying of his people. When you pray, say this, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. It's the church's role now to enforce the will of God in Satan's domain. That's some of the pressure. That's some of the pushback you're experiencing. Even if you don't realize it, he's still pushing back against you. You guys with me? The church will then accomplish the will of the Lord on earth in the enemy's territory as it is in heaven until all who will come to Jesus are safely in. Then Jesus comes back and he takes care of it finally and Satan's gone. Church, go into all the world. Make disciples of all the nations. Break the hold of Satan over the people in the nations. That's why our denomination, the CMA, is so big on missions. We're always sending out missionaries to reach unreached people groups, to reach folks in other nations who've been so under the domain of Satan. They haven't heard the gospel or they haven't been able to understand it. We need to go help them. It can be across the sea. It can be across the street. Taking the gospel to regions and to people who he still has blinded to the glory of Christ. Jesus did not come to save this world. This world is going to be destroyed. God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth, a new world. He didn't come to save this world. He came to save lost humanity out of this world. This world, per se, is a lost cause because of sin. Romans 8 makes it clear that even nature and creation are awaiting the final day of redemption so it can be recreated. You know, the creation, the land, is suffering from human sin. Murder pollutes the land. 
Our nation is so polluted because of the level of murder we experience. Jesus is going to destroy this world. He's going to create a new world where God and redeemed man will live together forever like it was originally in the Garden of Eden. This whole thing from Genesis to Revelation is to get us back to Genesis. Make sense? Oh, man, every time I say it, I'm getting less and less of a response. Make sense? I don't know. Make sense? Okay. You're meditating on what you're hearing. Thank you. See, this is why we teach, like it or not, the Christian life is spiritual warfare. When you signed on with Christ, you signed on for spiritual warfare, but you're on the right side. You're on the winning side. You're in spiritual warfare whether you know Christ or not. It just depends on what side you're on. Right, Jamie? 1 Peter 5, stay alert, watch out, your great enemy, the devil, the ruler of this world, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. All right, we've gone to great length now to establish this truth, which is not the main point of the message. The world around us is under the control of the evil one. But we will not, now I want you listening, we will not let this truth, we will not allow that truth to unnerve us. We simply had to see that backdrop in order to gain a better understanding of our main point, a spiritual blessing that we have in Christ. So we're going to turn, this is a turning point in the message. We had to set that negative backdrop to understand what's coming next. Today's main point, in Christ, believers have protection from the evil one. You weren't left here alone at his every whim, his beck and call. We have protection from the evil one. While we operate in his domain, even though we're operating behind enemy lines, so to speak, in enemy-held territory, we have protection from the enemy. We know in Christ, believers have protection from the evil one. Did I say protection from the evil one? Okay, and it's a good thing we do, too, or we'd be destroyed. Satan has no love for you. If he could have his way, he would destroy you and me. He's tried, but praise God, we have protection from the enemy. You are protected until your assignment is complete. In a sense, you are invincible until your assignment is complete. Then God calls you home, takes your soul out of your body, home you go, medical field tries to figure out why you died, but you're home free. What's it matter? Tough on the loved ones, I know, but to live as Christ, to die is gain. First John 5, 18p, God's son, Jesus, holds them, believers, securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. The spiritual blessing believers have in Christ is this, protection from the evil one. We are protected. He cannot touch us. Cannot touch. Interesting. Some of your versions may say harm or hurt because that's what it means. The evil one cannot harm or cannot hurt them. Other versions say he cannot lay a hold 
lay a hand on them. Awesome. And it also means this. He cannot exert influence over. He cannot exert control over. He cannot manipulate believers. The evil one cannot touch believers because God's son, Jesus, holds them securely in his hand. He's holding you right now in his hand, whether you realize it or not. You're held in his hand. He knows when you get up. He knows when you sit down. He knows when you arrive. He knows when you leave. He's following you as you drive. You're in his hand all the time. You don't feel that, though, do you? Do we? But we got to choose to believe the truth by faith. He's always working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. Even when I don't see it, he's working. He never stops. He never stops working. He has you in his hand. If you know Christ. And if you know Christ, you know you know Christ. And if you're not sure you know Christ, let's talk, okay? Let's talk and get this settled. God's son Jesus keeps careful watch over, constant diligent guard over, protection over his own. And anything the enemy does do is directly controlled by our, our sovereign God. When it comes to believers, Satan can only operate by direct permission from God. He actually has to go to God and get permission if it's going to affect your life. You remember Job, classic. Yeah, Job. God, I can't touch Job. Look, you got him so hedged in, so protected. I can't get at him. And even if he does get in, if for some reason, and maybe it's our unconfessed, it's our known unconfessed sin that opens that door, right? But even if he does get in, we have Romans 8.28. We know that God works all things together for good to those who are in Christ. Or we have Genesis 50. You meant this for evil, but God intended it for good. The saving of many souls. And we have 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God will not allow any temptation to come into your life that you're not able to bear. And he will also make a way through it for you. Today's spiritual blessing in Christ is protection from the evil one. John 6, 38 and 39, this is Jesus. I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one. Do you know Christ? You will not be lost. Why? Because you're going to be so good. No, because he's not going to lose you. He won't allow it. If you truly came to Christ, he'll never allow you to walk away. You won't be lost. that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. John 10, 28 and 29, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them from me. For my Father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else, including Satan and all his demons together. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. John 17, 11, and 15, Jesus' prayer for his disciples, for his followers. Father, protect them. During my time here, I protected them. I guarded them. Now I'm coming to you. I have given them your word. The world hates them because they do not belong to the world. You don't belong to the world if you know Christ. 
You're just serving Christ here until it's your time to go home. Just as I do not belong to the world, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. I'm asking you to keep them safe from the evil one. If Jesus prayed that God would keep you safe from the evil one, well, guess what? That's a pretty sure bet. He gets his prayers answered. Keep them safe from the evil one. That prayer covered them then. That prayer is covering us today. 2 Thessalonians 3.3, the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you. He will guard you from the evil one. First Peter 1 Peter 1.5, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be real, revealed on the last day for all to see. Romans 8.38, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. The Apostle Paul was convinced, are you, am I? Today's main point, in Christ, believers have protection from the evil one, Satan. Justin, will you come, give the benediction? The rest of us will stand, and then I have some instructions. Good and loud into the mic. Yep. So Sonny's going to bring the band forward. And we want to play the song No Longer Slaves because it fits the message. But also I've had people ask me to be prayed for today. So after we play No Longer Slaves, then I want to have the elders to come forward and line ourselves up here in teams. And anybody that wants prayed for, for any reason, come forward and we'll, we'll pray for you. But first we want to sing this song together. First, we actually want to have Justin give us the benediction. So I'm going to read, is this on? Okay. I'm going to read Psalm 91 if anybody wants to follow along. I like to listen, but it is nice to look at the words too. And it's interesting, Hub asked me to read this chapter. Technically, it's a chapter. And this is my son's favorite piece of the Bible. He's in the army. And it's kind of neat because we always talk about being a part of an army and being protected. And, you know, we're a part of this basically undefeatable army, which is pretty awesome. Um, and we know this to be true from his word. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. 
for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Well, Father, I just want to start by asking you to forgive me, forgive us for the times when we don't trust you. Because that's what you started out with in that, in that psalm, if we trust you. And forgive us for the times when we don't obey your commands. But we thank you because we know if we trust you and if we obey your commands, that nothing can stand against us. That's amazing, Lord. And I just thank you for being a part of this army that can have the confidence to go out there and know with you we can't be defeated. I thank you that, like Hub said, we're amazingly invincible if we trust you and obey your commands until our time is up. But, Lord, it's really hard for us to uh, grasp that. It's, it's not something that um, is, is just second nature for us. We uh, often slip into fear and worry. But, Lord, we thank you that we do not have to fear. We do not have to worry. We can just know that you're there protecting us and that, that there's nothing that we can't overcome. So, Lord, I just want to ask that. I, I want to ask not for the things that you promised us because you promised them already. I want to ask that you help us to realize That's right. yep. and understand and yep. know someday, maybe know. That's right. That these things are true and that we don't have to worry. Um, I ask that for this whole congregation. I ask that for everyone connected to us. And I pray that you would just extend and we know you will, all that protection to people that might be in our hearts that aren't here today, people in our families, um, loved ones, children, you know, older people, whoever it may be, Lord, um, and that everyone here would just know and have that peace that, okay, we can take a deep breath. We're protected. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for these truths, and um, we just want to keep understanding and, and knowing knowing this stuff more, um, but we need you to help us to do that. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.